Welcome to the Transition to Medicare podcast, brought to you by Giardini Medicare. In each episode, we will take a look at a specific Medicare topic that will help you avoid making mistakes and reduce your stress when navigating the Medicare system. If you have a higher annual income, you may have to pay more than what you expect for Medicare. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing how your income can impact what you pay for Medicare and more importantly, what you can do if this does apply to you. But before we get started, we do want to remind everybody here that we operate Giardini Medicare, which is an independent insurance agency based out of Southeast Michigan. Although we're based in Michigan, we work virtually and over the phone to help customers in about 12 states find the right Medicare coverage for them. Even if you choose not to work with us, we know that the information in this podcast will be helpful when you do your successful and stress-free transition to Medicare. So what is IRMA? Let's get right into this. And how is it determined? Well, let's start with what it stands for, what it actually is. IRMA stands for an income-related monthly adjustment amount, okay? IRMA impacts about 7 to 8% of all Medicare beneficiaries that are out there. IRMA is not the same as a Medicare penalty. Often confused, but this is not a penalty. It can certainly feel like a penalty since it may increase what you're going to pay for your Medicare premiums. But we tell our clients to think of it more like a tax, unfortunately. In reality, what's happening is that the government is actually subsidizing less of your Part B premiums. Yeah. And so determining IRMA is all going to come down to what your modified adjusted gross income is going to be. And what happens is the IRS will report your modified adjusted gross income or your MAGI or MAGI, whatever you want to call it. They will report it from two years ago to the Social Security Administration. So if they do not have your income from two years ago on file, they may actually send over three-year-old data to Social Security to determine if you're going to be subject to IRMA. And when we talk about the modified adjusted gross income, of course, we are not tax experts, we're not CPAs. So take this with a grain of salt. But basically, your modified adjusted gross income, it is your tax exempt interest plus your adjusted gross income. So you may wonder, how do you figure this out? Well, of course, you can always talk to a CPA. Also, you can go to your Form 1040 from the IRS. And if you're looking for 2022, you're actually going to have to go back two years like we talked about and look at your Form 1040 from 2020. So on that form, you can add your adjusted gross income, which is line 11, to your tax-exempt interest, which is line 2A on the form. And then that should give you your modified adjusted gross income as a reference. Now that we talked about what a modified adjusted gross income is, I'll have Joanne talk to you about the different thresholds for income and how they can impact your IRMA. Okay. And one just little tip before we get into that is don't forget that IRMA is based on income numbers, not net worth. So you could literally have a net worth of $10 million, but your income 70000 a year. So you may fall under the lowest. Yeah, it's uh, all what income. you're making. Correct. And people sometimes what confuse you that. What you make or made, correct. So I'll, I'll talk about the threshold. So there are six levels of uh, IRMA, surcharges, taxes, whatever, again, you would like to refer them to them as. And they're based on how you file taxes, number one. So it could be a joint tax return or an individual tax return. Not going to get into every breakdown there. You'd have to see. Well, we will post these charts below. But if you are on an individual tax return with an income of $91,000 or less or on a joint return with $182,000 or less, you will pay the base Medicare premium this year, which is $170.10. On the flip side, if you make more than $750,000 on a joint return or over $500,000 on an individual tax return, you're going to pay $578.30. So you can see there's a big range in between. Again, there's six different levels. That's the first one and the, and the last one that I just listed. And like we said earlier, it's connected to how much uh, the government is subsidizing your 
premium for Part B. So in the lowest tier, those people are paying 25% of the total premium. And in the top tier, you are going to be paying 85% of the total premium. So again... And that's the Part B premium. So uh, Joanne had mentioned that. Now, keep in mind, there is one other category for people that file a married and separate tax return. So if that does apply to you, reach out to us and we can give you that data. It's just too much for this episode. And not only does Irma have thresholds that impact Part B, there is also Irma that impacts Part D, which is your drug coverage. And it's important to note this also applies to drug coverage you have with the Medicare Advantage plan. So I know sometimes people think an Advantage plan will get them out of Irma, and that's not the case. So with Part D, at the low threshold, you don't have to pay any extra premium for your plan. But at the highest threshold, Joanne mentioned, you could pay an additional $77.90 per month added on to your Part D premium. So if you have a $10 plan plus $77.90, all of a sudden you're paying $87.90 just for Part D, which is the drug coverage. And just just to throw in two here, a lot of people misread the communications, which is easy to do actually from the government. But when they get their IRMA amount for Part D as in drugs, and it says $32.10 plus people think that they're buying an an additional drug plan from the government and you're not. Okay. So just remember, this is another surcharge. surcharge. Right. But you're still going to be paying for that Part D plan. But sometimes, actually pretty often we hear that, well, I already got a drug plan from you. Why am I paying the government for one? You're not. You're paying a surcharge. Okay. Exactly. Yep. So with that being said, the thresholds and how it's calculated, everyone wants to know, how do I appeal this? What do I have to do? So it's not technically an appeal in most circumstances. It's actually a new initial determination, and we'll get into this in much more detail. But basically, it all comes down to the fact that we often hear from clients that say, well, why do I have to pay more for my Medicare if my income is not even close to as high as it was two years ago? And the answer is we have a solution for that, and you might not have to. So again, the first initial determination and what Social Security bases your premiums on For Medicare, it's going to be two-year-old data. And that's just because that's what is on file from the IRS for most people. So in 2022, they are looking at 2020. So what happens as far as your initial determination is first off, when everybody signs up for Part B and some type of prescription drug coverage, they will get billed from Medicare for the standard premiums. So even if you are going to get IRMA, you're likely to get an initial bill that just has your base rate of the 170 and 10 cents on it. Then what happens is if your IRS data shows that you're going to be impacted by IRMA and you owe potentially more based on IRMA, then you will get a predetermination notice from Social Security. And it basically says, here is why IRMA is going to apply. Here's what the amount is based on the information we have gathered. Then. 20 days after you receive the predetermination notice, Social Security is going to send you what is called an initial determination notice, which is similar to the predetermination notice, but it does include appeal rights and advises you how to contact Social Security if you think you have a new initial determination possible based on some life-changing events that we'll talk about. You know, and overall, a couple of things, those letters are confusing. They're kind of difficult to read. It's not really clear, but just understand you do have two components to pay. There's IRMA and then your base rate always. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then overall, we also recommend waiting until you're absolutely waiting until you've received either the initial determination notice before requesting a new initial redetermination. So we know people are eager to submit the request as soon as they know it's going to come down through the pipeline. But instead, just gather all of your documents, get ready. The evidence, we'll talk through that. What, what is evidence? 
but get everything together as all the things we're going to discuss in this episode that you're ready to go. Okay. But you can't, mm-hmm. if you jump too fast, it's going to just confuse the system. Okay. Note too that social security, they will send another initial de- re- uh, determination for part D if you sign up after part B and you've not received a lower IRMA amount. Yeah. A lot of times people will sign up for their drug coverage after part B. So sometimes you think, oh, I got IRMA for part B, but I got out of it for part D. And it's not really the case. It's just taking more time for that data to get to Social Security and to get to you. And Joanne already said it, but if you're eager to appeal this, which of course you would be because it's going to save you a fair bit of money, uh, just give it some time. If you do appeal it right away, right when you're applying for Medicare, there's no guarantee somebody's going to even look at it for weeks or months. So just give it time, wait for that initial determination before requesting a new one. So, Cam, why don't you just keep going with that? Now start talking about how you actually do that. You know, you talked about the steps that we're going to take, but now reality. What does reality look like when you start digging into these things? When you got your evidence, you're ready to go. Tell them step one. Yeah, so you've gotten to the point where you know you are charged for IRMA or you're basically subject to it. You know what goes into it and you're just looking to figure out how do you request a new initial determination. That's what everyone wants to know. So, Most commonly, we help our clients lower their IRMA due to having what is called a life-changing event. And I'm going to list off all of the life-changing events. The first one right here is definitely the most common. It's actually two separate ones, but we kind of put them together. And that is work reduction or work stoppage. Like we said, those are by far the most common because usually if you delay Medicare or if you're signing up for Medicare, it's because you're no longer working. And because of that, your income is probably lower than what it was two years ago from the data that the IRS is giving Social Security. So the other life-changing events are death of a spouse, marriage, divorce or annulment, loss of income-producing property, loss of employer pension, or receipt of settlement payment from a current or former employer. So now that I talked about the life-changing events and those certain things that may qualify you for a new initial determination, I'm going to have Joanne talk about what you're going to do in order to appeal or request a new initial determination with Social Security to help lower your IRMA. Right. So those were the life events and those are kind of the triggers. Those are the things that you can actually go forward and request that redetermination for those situations. And again, the common, most common that we're dealing with a lot are retirement, right? Either you went part-time so your money income is going to be reduced or you completely stop working. Okay, loss of a paycheck, which makes total sense. So now we'll talk about how you actually do that. So the IRMA appeals happen individually. So don't forget that if this is a, a joint case, you've got husband and wife in this case, you're both going to do these forms. So everything we're talking about does not apply for two of you. It's going to apply for each person. Everything together, remember, is, is uh, very independent in Medicare land. So this is going to be two separate forms, even though even if one uh, spouse, sometimes we get the question like, well, I didn't work for 15 years and yes, we filed jointly. Doesn't matter. These rates are going to affect both of you. So if you're going to request that redetermination, make sure you're doing paperwork for each of you, okay? So what you're going to do is you're first going to complete a form called an SA, SSA 44. That is a social security official IRMA life-changing event form. And on this form, you'll want to select the life-changing event that you qualify for, which in, in, let's just go through this example of work stoppage. And you're going to want to list the date that the event actually occurred, okay? And in the next step, more really important step here is step number two on the form. You're going to want to fill in the amount that your income will be reduced because of the life-changing event. So for example, if your IRMA is based on 2020 income since you're beginning Medicare in 2022, but your 2022 income is now lower because you stopped working during the year, you're going to want to put your estimated 2022 income in this section, okay? Now, lots of different examples we could start throwing in. We kind of walk through 
So do know you don't have to wait until tax filing season. So again, this is 2022. And we're saying that, look, if you know your 2022 income is going to be less this year, you're going to do an estimate. Okay. This is not an official tax return. You're going to estimate what your income will be at the end of the year. And if it's lower, if it's one or two thresholds or three, or who knows how many down lower than what you've been assessed by the government, then you're going to want to fill out this form. Okay. But make sure you try and be as accurate as possible because Social Security Administration and Medicare are going to try to recoup the money they're owed if your income comes up being higher. Okay. And that happens too. Yeah. Don't just do a crazy low estimate in hopes of appealing your IRMA. And then all of a sudden, it's not even close to what it actually is. So It's not going to slip through. (laughs) No. So why don't you go to step three, Cam? Tell them about the last form. Yeah. So once you fill out what your income is estimated to be for the current year in step two, step three, I would say is, is pretty much optional, but a lot of people get confused by this. So step three is just saying if your income for next year is going to be even lower than the current year, you can basically put your estimated income for next year in step three. However, we don't really recommend doing this most of the time because even after you complete these forms, you're going to have to request a new initial determination essentially every year that your income comes back higher. So even if you do the step three, you're still probably going to have to do another determination next year. And then once you have completed the form, basically it comes down to submitting your form. So you're going to submit your request and send it to Social Security in some way that we'll talk about. But the first thing before you do that is you'll want to take a look at what you have for evidence that documents and shows that you are basically having a lower income due to a life-changing event. So in our example, we use work stoppage. So you could use a signed letter from your employer showing that your employment has ended. You can do copies of pay stubs showing work stoppage. If you cannot provide any direct evidence, a lot of people get concerned by this, but Social Security will actually accept your signed statement on the form under the penalty of perjury. So if you did stop working and you don't have proof for it, just know that you can also say you can attest to it on the form and it's legally binding and you're telling them you stopped working. And then Joanne can talk to you about once you've got everything filled out, you've got the evidence gathered, what can you do to get the SSA Form 44 over to Social Security? Right. And then note two, we're going to put that SSA Form 44 down in the show notes. Okay. So that form is there for you in a PDF. You, you can print that if you need that. When you get it all completed, what's the best way to get it there? It's truly getting it to the hands of Social Security Administration in person. Unfortunately, it's best you know, take a half day off work. Uh, we can't guarantee the schedules getting in there, but it really is the best way to do it when you're walking into the offices. And as of April 7th, 2022, those offices have been reopening to the public. Okay. So check your local office. It should be open by now. If you don't want to do that or you can't do that, you can do certified mail. If you do certified mail, be very, very careful that you do keep a copy of your, your SS44 for your records. Okay. Certified mail has, has definitely shown or been shown not to show up. So make sure you keep that copy. Other ways you can do this, you can fax that 44, SS44 over to your local social security office. If you do that, just make sure that you follow up with that office that they you're checking to make sure that they actually received it. And your request is um, will be seen ultimately by an actual human being. Okay. And it's not just a computer algorithm. So it can be really helpful to include as much information and evidence that you have available. However, don't overload them. We had a recent a sale of a marina which showed retirement. It was the same thing as work stoppage. That was the, the reason, but they had a, you know, a 48-page sale of the business document. Do not send all 48 pages in, please. <laughs> yeah, probably not necessary. You know, it is not. So send page two or one that just shows the, the, the date, the transfer of the property, things like that. That was the reason for the retirement as well. Okay. And it worked, it worked beautifully. The person actually went from the top tier all the way to the bottom tier. So just 
Don't overwhelm them, but definitely do have evidence in your favor to, to get this through. Okay. And Joanne mentioned it briefly, but the biggest thing is if, if you are going to go the route of not being in person and you want to send it via certified mail or fax, just make sure you follow up with a phone call to your local office after you have sent over those documents to confirm that they have received them and somebody is going to review them shortly. So we also or we already talked about what happens if you have a life-changing event that will make you eligible for a new initial determination. However, there are some non-life-changing events that may also allow you to do the same thing. Those are going to include if you had an amended tax return filed with the IRS, if you have to do corrections of IRS information, if you use two-year-old tax returns instead of the three-year-old that they may be using for certain people, or if you report a change in a living arrangement when the tax filing status is married but filing separate. So again, those are just some other unique situations. They certainly don't happen as often, but those are non-life-changing events that could still qualify you for a new initial determination. And I will have Joanne start to talk about what happens if you don't have any of those and you may not necessarily qualify for a new initial determination, but you still want to give it a shot. Yeah. So this is not an automatic by any means, but it doesn't hurt to try. That's for sure. So it's free to try. It is free to try and you never know. Okay. So Social Security Administration, they state that they, you must file a request for an appeal and that they cannot discourage individuals from making an appeal right? So that's, as we said, never has to try. So whether or not you're going to be successful is another story. Make sure you're providing as much documentation as possible in the scenario, but understand that a successful redetermination is not a guarantee. And again, I wouldn't suggest overwhelming them when we say as much documentation as possible. We mean good documentation, but be efficient in how you deliver that to them. If it's, if it's a bundle of papers, they're not going to go through that, okay? <laughs> so below is a list of some non-qualified events, maybe loss of alimony, a voluntary sale of an income-producing property, Conversion of an IRA. Okay, that always gets sticky. Big, big, big one. We see lots of this even with uh, Roth conversions, but typically conversion of an IRA is not going to to get that reduced for you. But if you're cashing out bonds, same thing, your inflow of income, higher medical expenses. Okay, that might, we don't know. So a lot of these we're not super familiar with. We are very familiar with the the work stoppage, things like that, the divorce, uh, death, Mm -hmm. and the ones that, that do routinely work. So yeah, and again, that's the non qualified events Joanne was talking about. So those are not events where you're going to be guaranteed by any means a successful redetermination, but those are events where you can certainly give it a shot and we can always try to help you with that. But if you're told that you don't qualify for a new initial determination based on what we just talked about or based on the evidence that you provide, what happens is that's when you request a reconsideration with Social Security and you have 60 days to request this appeal after your denial of your first initial determination. If you do go this route and request a reconsideration, just know that, again, this is seen by an actual person at Social Security, and it's going to be a different person than the one that basically denied your first new initial determination. Then if that is not successful, you can even go higher and you can request a hearing with the Office of Medicare Hearing and Appeals. And finally, if you really want to go crazy, get a lawyer and and go to court, you you can. (laughs) Whether or not we recommend it is a different story. But at the highest level, you can go and request a review by the Department of Health and Human Services, Medicare Appeals Council, along with a federal court action. So again, we don't really recommend you go much above a redetermination. But if you really want to go that far, you certainly can. Uh, Just remember that every single year, Social Security is reevaluating your IRMA. 
So even if you are unsuccessful for one year, you may only have to wait a year or two until your income is catching up to what it actually is. So again, in 2023, they'll look at 2021 and it's going to keep going that way. And I can't say, I, I can't recall anyone really going crazy and escalating up the <laughs> no. chain at all, which is good. So again, just like you said, you know, maybe your, your appeal didn't come through and you did this in August of 2022 this year. But guess what? January is right around the corner, unfortunately, for 2023. All right. So they're going to look again. So just always remember you have that two-year rolling look back. Okay. So just gather your evidence and things accordingly. But I wouldn't go crazy on the super, super appeal level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that we really want to mention and hammer in here is the fact that if you are successful, you will be refunded back the premiums that you were essentially owed or that you shouldn't have paid because of a higher IRMA. So if you do an appeal and you have to wait a couple months, you will be refunded those excess premiums that you have to pay above whatever amount it is reduced to. And that is also really important to keep in mind that while you're going through any part of the appeals process, please make sure you're paying your IRMA surcharges for both Part B and for your drug coverage, Part D, or with the Medicare Advantage plan. Because while you're waiting for the appeal, those added premiums from IRMA, they are actually part of your plan premiums. So you can't just pay the base rate and not pay for the whole thing. So make sure you pay the surcharges or else you do risk some of your coverage being canceled. That way you won't have to worry about the cancellation. And like we said, you would be refunded in the event of a successful appeal. They will, will, will cancel your Part B coverage. Okay, if you're not paying that, if you just think you're going to pay 170 because you're presuming you're going to get moved down to there, don't just pay 170. If this is tied to your social security, you can't even do that. But if you're paying online or if you're writing them a check or if you've got easy pay already set up for your Medicare Part B, just let it go through or just go on and pay with a credit card, but pay the entire amount because there is always the danger of canceling, uh, getting that canceled ultimately. But again, like Cam said, they will refund and give you back what you shouldn't have paid initially if that's the case. All right. Yeah. And that brings us to our, and that brings us to the next part of this, which Joanne will talk about. And it's basically, if you go through everything we talked about, you go through the redetermination and the appeals process, and you still owe some level of IRMA, what do you have to do to pay those premiums going forward? So again, I'll let Joanne talk about that. Yeah. So basically you're going to pick up. So if you don't, if you owe $238 a month for your Medicare, that's partially IRMA and partially that base premium of 170. So the way you're going to pay that are, like I just mentioned, you're going to pay with a credit card going online to your Medicare.gov portal. You're going to set up an easy pay potentially that'll come out of your checkbook. And those are ways that you can do that if you're not collecting social security. If you're collecting social security, then these numbers are just going to come, these dollars are going to come right out of your, your proceeds. Okay. They're going to reduce your social security amount each month by the level of IRMA and Part B premiums that you might owe. And same thing with Part D premiums. That is paid to Medicare. Okay. That is not paid. That's why it confuses people. They're saying, well, why did I, why am I buying another drug plan from Medicare when I bought one from Giardini Medicare? No, that's not the same thing. Okay. Yeah. If you actually so, get the bill for IRMA, you're going to see Part D added on there along with Part B. So it's not yep. even going to come from your drug plan company. So I know that's right. confusing. Like Joanne There's said. a breakdown. There is a breakdown. And again, the letters are not super clear in how it's written by the Social Security Administration, but the numbers always do check out. Rarely. I think Cameron caught one the other day with one of our agents. That was the first time ever we have seen an error <laughs> in Social Security billing ever. So they're pretty spot on for getting this right. Okay. So just make sure you're overpaying that. You might not want to. You might not trust that the government's going to refund that, but it does happen. Okay. So always, always, please make sure you're paying your premiums for all of these things, okay? Now, again, to really hit this one home too, remember that if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, prescription drug coverage might be built into that plan and you have IRMA. If you have to pay higher income level and figures, 
you will be seeing that charge still being paid to the government, okay? So you're going to pay higher IRMA. So for some reason, and I'm not sure if it's just because people think of zero premium plans with Medicare Advantage that they think that crosses over to the government side of things. It does not, okay? So if you can, you can be in the top IRMA, you know, $500 plus and in a, enrolled into a Medicare Advantage plan for zero, that's fine. You're still going to pay 500 plus to IRMA, to the government, okay? So nothing is going to get you out of that. Just by going to Medicare Advantage is not going to get you out of the IRMA classification at all. And your Medicare Advantage, the prescription coverage will create the Part D IRMA that we talked about. So that could be an additional up to you know $77 per month. And again, that might not be going to your Advantage plan. However, it's still part of the premium for the plan. Although you're paying it to the government, if you don't pay it, it can cancel out your actual Advantage plan itself. So IRMA is going to apply for anybody in any plan if you're above the income thresholds. There's really no other way to avoid it aside from, again, being below the income thresholds we talked about in the beginning. And then other than you know how to pay your premiums, we just got to talk briefly about what to know for the future. So this is important because people tend to forget it often, but IRMA does a new initial determination every year with the data they're getting from the IRS. So again, in this year, they're looking at 2020. Next year, they will look at 2021, and it just keeps going like that. So eventually, you will get to the point where your current income does match the income from two years ago. So we're not saying you always have to do a new initial determination or go through this whole process, but at least probably for a year or two after work stoppage, just expect to not only do one IRMA new initial determination, but perhaps a second and even a third one. Also, another thing to know is that the IRMA thresholds, they can and they will change from one year to the next. So Joanne said, like for an individual, it's 91,000 is the income bottom threshold for this year. Now for next year, it could be 92, 93,000. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. Generally, it does rise a little bit, but just know that those thresholds can and will change from year to year. So if you're on the edge of a threshold, especially, just make sure you're constantly checking to see what you may owe for Medicare in the upcoming year. And we will post the charts. We can put the IRMA charts for 2022 as posted in the show notes as well. And I would suggest printing those and having them available to you when you're meeting with your financial planner, okay? Because you have to remember too that when people come to see us, we're getting them ready for Medicare, okay? So we don't have time to help them for two years prior to look and talk about IRMA and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes this is a big big surprise for people, which is why exactly why we have this episode. But a lot of people are surprised that IRMA even exists. But it's really intelligent and smart to get in there with your financial planners, your CPAs and such, and talk about this. And if you are selling a business, for example, you know, maybe you're structuring a sale in a different way. Maybe you're doing Roth conversions far earlier than you thought you would be so you can avoid some of this. We've had all sorts of situations that people aren't able to maybe rectify when they're just hitting Medicare. But if you had planned this out with your financial planners a couple of years prior, it would have been easier on all of you. Okay. So we can only do so much. The forms are only going to do so much. Social Security is only willing to do so much. So you really have to take this into really an account as a planning opportunity for everybody. Yeah. And and Joanne said it perfectly. So just plan for it. But uh, realize that IRMA is one of the many topics concerning your transition to Medicare. Just like anything else, it's super important to understand how IRMA works and what your options may be to lower it in order to avoid overpaying for your Medicare coverage. So that's it for this episode. Make sure to tune in to other episodes of our podcast. Also subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. Also check out our YouTube channel by going to youtube.com and searching Giardini Medicare. If you want to reach out to one of our licensed brokers, you can go to our website at gmedicareteam.com 
and schedule a free phone consultation or send us an email at info at gmedicareteam.com. And like Joanne said, all of our sources, forms, everything we talked about in this episode will be in the show notes listed below. So thank you for tuning in and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Transition to Medicare podcast. To find more Medicare-related information from us, you can search Giardini Medicare on YouTube or visit our website at gmedicareteam.com.